Welcome to the Breakthrough Advisor Podcast. In this podcast, we inspire advisors with ideas and pathways to break through barriers and build a thriving retirement income business. We will interview innovative technology developers, business leaders, and successful advisors, then help you organize and execute these ideas to move your business forward. Hello and welcome to The Breakthrough Advisor. I'm your host, Eric Johnson, and today I have a great guest that is David Blanchett. David is the head of retirement research for Morningstar Investment Management. Hello, David. How are you? Good. How are you, Eric? I'm fantastic. Welcome to the show, man. Thanks, man. All right. Here's the thing. The audience, as you're listening to this, you need to understand, I get some notes prior and... David has just an incredible alphabet soup after his name. You've got PhD, MSFS, MBA. Uh, you've got a ton of credentials. Uh, and then also I've visited your website via you giving me your website address. And you have a ton of research papers that you've been involved in and written, I'm sure, both by yourself and with with collaboration with others. There is a ton of information we could go over today. Uh, I'm, I'm pretty excited. Yeah, uh, I'm the son of two teachers, so uh, <laughs> that appreciate education. <laughs> All right, good nod to the parents. Good job. Uh, you've you've done your job well. So, David, what do you want to talk about today? I just want to ask that question first. What would you like to share with the audience? What do they need to know about you most? Well, I mean, you know, the one thing I, I like to mention is that I do a lot of research, but I actually used to be a financial planner a long time ago. Oh, so I, right. I, I kind of, you know, I, I often joke that I've been climbing an ivory tower for 15 years. And you know, now I have a very different role where I kind of create solutions for like defined contribution plans for different financial services company. But I'll never forget that kind of all that I've done, I, I remember back to meeting with people and talking to them about how to kind of create better outcomes. And so um, I don't do that anymore. But when you, you know, I think it's just important when you're writing research and creating strategies to know that despite what a formula might tell you, people do crazy things. And so, you know, it's kind of a, a driving motivation to what I do is how do you kind of help people create better outcomes given the fact that they're people and they do crazy things. Yeah. And we make really big mistakes a lot of times. Yeah. And how can we <laughs> over and over and over again, yeah, over and over, right? <laughs> You've been talking to my wife. <laughs> no, uh, I'll, I'll tell you what, I, I'm interested in this conversation mainly because I'm not even close to retirement yet. I've got about 20 years before I even consider it, but you do so much research around retirement planning. And especially right now, this is what I'm really curious about with this whole COVID and pandemic issue with businesses the way they are, the economy, it's really thrown some things on its head when it comes to retirement planning. What kind of research are you doing currently because of the current environment for the future? And, and, and how far out are you looking at when you're doing some research for proper planning with this kind of uh, mood in mind? Well, I mean, so one thing that you know I've looked at quite a bit is how participants and defined contribution plans have responded to market volatility. Right. Mm -hmm. And there's been kind of a really important shift in 401k plans over the last decade where, you know, if we go back 20 years ago, everyone was building their own portfolio. Right. They were they were out there and they were picking between the large cap fund and the small cap fund and whatever else. And it just wasn't necessarily a very good strategy. Recently, though, you know, in the last decade, there's been this growth in the utilization of default investments, so like target date funds, risk-based funds, et cetera. And a question really is, is, you know, have they helped participants kind of better weather the storm when we have market volatility? And we really couldn't test that back in 2008 because they were kind of so new that a lot of participants weren't using them, but they are today. Mm -hmm. 
right? And what, and what we find is that people that are using professionally managed portfolios reacted less to the market volatility, right? And that to me is important because not only did people using target funds not trade, those that were using uh, professionally managed portfolios called managed accounts and defined contributions made the fewest changes. And so all of a sudden there's this kind of, there's just more evidence that kind of delegating that responsibility to someone, especially to someone that's kind of creating a personalized portfolio helps people not hurt themselves when the markets go awry. So do you think that there's been just this big shift in trust? I mean, it's, it kind of surprises me in a way because if you look back at 08, 09, I'm wondering how many people lost faith in their advisor at that moment, right? When, when everything, everybody wants to blame somebody else for something that's happened that's bad to them. And that's kind of human nature in a lot of ways. But I'm kind of surprised by what you're saying as far as people didn't make as many moves. Do you think there was a level of trust that was built back up and or they saw the the proof is in the pudding when they knew people that didn't make those big emotional decisions and they they weathered the storm better than maybe themselves you know i i don't know what's driving it i mean part of me wants to feel like people get smarter but I, experience tells me otherwise right like, <laughs> history tells us I, I, just, I just don't i don't know that people actually you know get get smarter and so i think it's because they weren't doing it themselves i think that you know, if we go back 20 years and everyone built their own portfolio, maybe like they felt that they're responsible for not trading or getting this right. But, you know, it's that freedom of delegation and it's, it's kind of the value of advice and that behavioral aspect to helping someone accomplish better outcomes. I think I think to me, that's what it was. It's that I mean, like these are the same people, right, that were doing crazy stuff 10 years ago. But mm -hmm. I think today, though, they have said, you know what? I'm going to let someone else take care of it, and I'm not going to worry about it. And because of that, they're going to experience a better outcome. Yeah, absolutely. Anytime you can remove the emotion from something, it's got to be you know a better better decision making process. Even if it's a, a you don't have to make the decisions because somebody else is doing it for you. Yeah, I, I agree 100. percent So, what other things are you working on currently that? people need to tap into and just need to understand the research and why you're doing it. So, you know, I just, I just actually wrote a piece for advisor perspectives. And for those of you that listening, it's just a kind of this resource for advisors. And it was called, um, it's called the mutual fund puzzle. And, you know, what I was looking at is this idea of, and I'm going to use a word that's like dangerous. It's this word annuities and people have, mm. have really strong opinions about annuities. And it's kind of funny yeah. because I, I totally get it. There's a lot of products out there that, that just aren't very good, right? But but here's the thing, like people really like this idea of guaranteed income, right? Retirement mm -hmm. is super scary. And, and and this is relevant to what we're just talking about because I mean, think about think about if you just retired or you're about to retire, how did the volatility in that first quarter made you feel? Mm -hmm. Right? You know, when you when your portfolio was down twenty or thirty or maybe even forty percent. How did that make you feel? What did it have on your perception of your retirement happiness? Were you, were you worried about how am I going to eat 20 years from now? What am I going to do? Now, fast forward those same emotions every every month or every year for the next 20 or 30 years, right? And key behind the recent volatility stuff, it's not just the markets have come back, you know, that's awesome. But like, you know, how does how does your strategy make you feel? And I think an important thing here that you can take the, that emotion out of the equation, right? You can you can create a system where you have 
income for life. And you can do that a lot of different ways. You can delay claiming Social Security. You can buy a private annuity. But I think for me, the key is is making sure that that you're thinking about all the options correctly, because knowing that you have a source of income you can't outlive is pretty powerful. Mm -hmm. And I think that it, it not only it helps with there's there's math behind how it helps you grab more income. But there's this huge behavioral component that a lot of people don't think about. Yeah. And, and I don't know if you're a geek like me. I love technology and I've got an iPhone. And if you go into the app store and I'm sure it's the same on an Android, you will find so many apps that are all about helping you sleep better. Right, whether it's mood music or it's nature sounds, whether it's binaural wavelength sounds, all that stuff to help people sleep better because there's just an issue with people sleeping a lot of times, stress, so on and so forth. I think there's a ton of people listening and a ton of people out there that are working with advisors that if they could pay a certain amount of money to sleep better at night, knowing something was secure and not have that roller coaster nauseous effect that <laughs> that people have faced because of what the market does. I think that that is uh, something that people would, would really, as they start to think about that, really want to buy into. Even though the word annuity, like you said, the spectrum of responses is, boy, I feel slimy when you say that word. Or, <laughs> hey, I think this is great because it worked really well for my grandmother. You know, there, there's just different attitudes out there. And bottom line, and I know you know this because you, as a planner, you knew this and you worked with your clients like this. Each person is individually different from the next person and they don't have the same needs. So the products or services have to be different. Right. Yeah. Right. I mean, I think, I think too often advisors and people kind of view things through the lens that maybe they get paid or what they do. And I think that for me, the key is, is an advisor, even as a retiree or whoever, ask yourself what kind of strategy you want to have and then figure out the tools it takes to get there. And, and a lot of times maybe, maybe you can do it yourself. Maybe you can't. Maybe you need to work with someone. Maybe the person you're working with can't actually help you get there because it's not their expertise. And so to me, a lot of this is about expectations, about accomplishing goals. And it, it helps to have someone to help you get there. But a lot of times, in, in my experience, the person that you're working with might not be the best person for you. Absolutely. And to those advisors that are listening to this, I hope you heard what he said. Because my advice as a, as a coach and a consultant is to always understand that your clients should be shopping around. They should be kind of testing, are, are, is there somebody better out there? Because you need a benchmark to be better, right? <laughs> That's all there is to it. So you want to service your clients as best you possibly can so they're not looking around. They're not, or when they do a comparison, they're like, wow, I'm, I'm exactly where I need to be. So I, I think that that's great, great info. David, I know that just through our conversation and before the podcast even started, you're a pretty humble guy, right? I would, I would assume. I mean, I'd like to think so, it's a, but it's a trick question. Really right? asked, I mean, it's a little question like, oh, I'm super humble. It's like, exactly. like, what do you mean? It's a trick question. I just wanted to throw <laughs> yeah. that one at you. However, our, our good friend Jack sent me some information uh, about kind of some of your accomplishments. So I'm going to read some of these off to the audience because they need to know who they're listening to at this moment. You're an adjunct professor of wealth management at the American College of Financial Services, correct? Yes. All right. We're going to check that box. Money Magazine called you one of the brightest minds in retirement planning. That's also correct. That's also correct. I, I know it's hard to say that out loud, but <laughs> that is absolutely correct. Uh, Investment News included you in their inaugural 40 under 40 list as a visionary for the financial planning industry. Also correct. Yes. And I hear you're an award-winning author, and I'm assuming that that's based on some of that research you've done and, and maybe a book you've written. So, you know, I actually haven't written a book yet. Um, All right. 
Yet. And I, so I, I have like a lot of colleagues. Yet. Well, so actually that, that, that's a fair catch. A lot of my colleagues have, and I, I don't have the attention span to sit down <laughs> and write fair a book. Enough. And so people have said like, you can like, you can, you can like aggregate all of your stuff in a book. And I actually have a buddy that I went to business school and he just wrote a book, but like, it takes like hundreds of hours and I just can't mm -hmm. see myself. I just can't focus on one thing for that long. And so maybe one of these days I'll do that, but I just, now is not the right time for me to, to write a book. So we'll see. Yeah. So let's talk about aggregating all that information, putting all that research to good work right now. Let's break it down. The, the advisors that are listening to this they probably don't have time to read all this entire list. So before we get off the podcast, I would love for you to give the website information and some some info about what they're going to find there on the website with all these research papers. And it is a mighty list. But if if I'm asking you, the guy that wrote it all, what would you pull from this as far as insights and tell advisors what they need to adjust when you're talking about their approach to retirement income planning? Are there things that they need to be listening to right now? Well, I mean, like, so there is there is a literal fire hose of information that they can access. Mm -hmm. I mean, it, it is overwhelming. I mean, I, I would imagine very few of the advisors actually read my research papers in full because they're long and they're tedious. Luckily, we do summary versions of other things. But I mean, to me, the most important thing, honestly, is education. Um, and I, obviously, I'm biased because I have mm -hmm. a lot of, of it. But, I, you know, like, I think like the designations that are out there, whether it's CFP or really any of them, I think that gives you the foundation, right? I mean, you can obviously read what someone has to say in a blog post or a, an online article, but I like I like that is is foundational. I mean, if you think about the advising profession, you know, like the, there's actually very few requirements to be an advisor based upon like how you're an advisor. Maybe you had to mm -hmm. take a few tests that's 50 hours. I mean, if you're a CPA or an accountant, like that's like 500 hours minimum to be in the profession, right? If you're a lawyer, you go to law school. That sounds terrible. Yeah. And so like I, like what, what I want collectively for our profession is kind of like to rise it up. But I think to get there, it's more of a knowledge-based profession to kind of learn the stuff. A lot of the stuff you probably already know, but if you're an advisor, you know, force yourself to learn in a structured way because you, you'll learn things you didn't know. And it changes the way I think that you kind of perceive information. And then you'll kind of better understand the pros and cons of different research pieces, but also you can help your clients more effectively. So you're helping yourself, you're helping your clients. It's kind of a win-win. Yeah. Yeah, I absolutely. I agree. 100%. I think advanced education is in incredibly important. And if you're not keeping up with that and technology, and I want yep. to ask you about that next, that and technology, then you're going to be left behind or you're yep. going to be, when they do compare you to another advisor, going to be like, you know what? I like this guy or this lady better because they're more modern or whatever their whatever their issue is. Speaking of technology, have you done any research in that area as far as what is truly helping, what is maybe hindering a little bit, or what your thoughts are and what's going to be developed in the next five to ten years? See, you know, I I don't. I mean, so I actually kind of build. Whenever I do like tests, I build my own testing tools because you know I'm not doing like financial plans for clients mm -hmm. um, anymore, and you know, my only kind of technology tip, I don't know if this counts, is that I really don't like success rates. I know that it's kind of permeates the industry now. We do Monte Carlo projections and you can tell someone you have a 72% chance of success. That's like, it's absolute nonsense. I mean, as yeah. someone that spends hours every day designing these things, it's this false sense of precision, right? First off, the number is just totally wrong because of the thousand assumptions in there. But two, it's not even really telling you what the outcome truly is. 
right? Because if you fail, what does that mean? Well, if you have a generous social security benefit and a pension, even if you quote unquote have a 100% chance of failure, you could still have a pretty good lifestyle in retirement. Mm -hmm. I think that we need better metrics to use to kind of tell someone how they're doing, especially for retirement, because I, I don't want to, I wouldn't want to tell someone, oh, you have a 20% a success rate when you're on track to replace, you know, like 90% of your goal based upon your assets. And so I think that to me, like that, that's my, that's my only technology tip mm -hmm. is that kind of understand the, the pros and cons of the ways that you quantify the outcomes for your clients. Because I think that the ones we're using more and more today don't necessarily paint the best picture of the true outcome. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Now I hear that you recently did a webinar for InsureMark. Is that correct? Yep. And that was about the guaranteed income. And I know we talked a little bit about annuities earlier, but what else did you really cover in that guaranteed income webinar? Is that something that people can access? I'm not sure. Probably. I, I, it's, it's based kind of on this research I'm working on that is it's on my to-do list, but it's this idea that guaranteed income is this kind of forgotten household asset. And I'll explain what I mean. You know, for a lot of retirees, the value of Social Security is their greatest asset. So if you get $50,000 a year from Social Security, let's say it's a big benefit, right? You know, and there's it's a married couple, that's worth like a million dollars. Right. And, wow, and yeah, people yeah. don't realize. And so the thing is, it's part of your cash flow statement, but it's not on your balance sheet. And I think it's really, really important to try to put that on your balance sheet because it changes a lot of things. It changes the perception of how wealthy you are. It changes how risky you think you can be in your portfolio. It changes you know, how much you can take out of your portfolio. I think all these things change when you have a better understanding of all the assets you have. And you know, I'm not gonna talk about human capital and stuff like that, but I think that especially for retirees, understanding what your pensions are worth is like a balance is important because it can help you make kind of better decisions about how you're going to fund your retirement. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, I want to change gears just a little bit. We've heard a lot about your professional side. I want to talk a little bit more about your personal side. Is that okay? Sure. Yeah. All right. So when you're not doing all this research and reading and writing and, and just burning up pens and paper, I'm sure that that's what people are using to write still. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I know that's not happening. What are you doing? Uh, so I have four kids. Oh, that's um, what you're doing. I have a seven-year-old, a five-year-old, a three-year-old, a one-year-old. Wow. And so, you know, with this, just where things are today, we're, we're really home a lot. We don't have a whole lot of help. And so it is a, a hot mess at Casa Blanchett. We've got, you know, a lot going on and I am very busy uh, every every minute I'm not working. <laughs> I, I bet. That is, do you sleep? I mean, do you really get any sleep with that crew? It, well, uh, we we sleep if our kids sleep, and that's a crapshoot every night. So um, last night was a good night, but every night is different. So uh, we just kind of take it as it goes. Yeah, and please do not write in or call in and, and think that I have abused my children. But there are many nights when I thought maybe a little NyQuil would be okay. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I never did that. You know, help them sleep. I, I never did that, I promise. But wow, four kids, and they—that's a. You said the oldest is seven. Oh, oldest is seven. Yeah. So I, I make, I always make the joke that my, you know, my wife wanted four kids, and I wanted two kids, and so we compromised on four kids. Yeah. Um. But, <laughs> but yeah. So like, my oldest. So I've got a, a girl and three boys. So. Wow. It keeps us very busy. So. All right. She's a little, she's a lot outnumbered, but I'm pretty sure she can hold her own. Do you have kids, Eric? I I do. I have two. Yeah, I have two, and then now I have two grandchildren. It's, oh, wow. Which okay. that's a whole nother thing. So when you talk about retirement planning, no one ever spoke to me about how my wife would transform into this weird Nana thing that just spends money on grandkids. Like there's no going out of style. 
I that's I mean my retirement is now I'll be working till I'm 90 to to support grandchildren I think I, I don't know but so here's like so do you want to work till 90 like I want to work I, I can't see myself not working yeah I'm gonna work for a long time even even if I'm not getting paid, like there's just and this is this this ties in, but like there's so many benefits to working longer. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's there's obviously like all the financial stuff, but staying like intellectually active yes. like prolongs your life. Absolutely, yep. There's tons so, of it, research and study, and you would know about all the research with this because there's a ton of research on it that brain activity, even just getting up and and having a schedule, does right. so much for you. You know, you go into retirement, you know, I'll wake up around noon, maybe play a round of golf, watch some TV, and go to sleep. Okay. That's going to last four years until you're dead. I mean, that's just, you're going to wear yourself out quick. Well, I, I think that's like the traditional definition of retirement, you know, when everyone like, I guess, worked in the field mm-hmm. and you retired at 65 and you died when you're 80. But like retirement's going to last like 30 years yeah. for so many people now. And so I think it changes, it changes what it costs, right? It, co- it costs a lot more to retire. But if you can work longer, it mitigates that cost. It makes it more enjoyable. So one, and one thing, you know, I, I do worry about is, is like people that are retiring now. So like my father-in-law, you know, he's he's close to retirement. And, you know, I, I, when I say retirement, I think, you know, he might pivot away from what he was doing to a new job. And I just wonder like how easy it'll be for him to find something in the near future, given kind of the state of the economy, mm-hmm. right? And so to me, like, it, a lot of this stuff that is just interesting what that's happened is because like who could have planned for this, right? So you, you have a financial plan, for 40 years and then COVID strikes, right? Yeah. So just, you know, like, like, like good to have a, a plan, but it's it's better to like have a fluid strategy that can adapt as things change. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And I think if there's any silver lining on this whole COVID thing is that we now know that working remotely is more possible than it ever was before. The technology is, what is the old saying? You know, necessity is the mother of invention. There are so many more companies that are making streaming services more possible and better and video conferencing software better than it ever was before more reliable working on slower internet speeds even though most internet speeds are increasing around the world i think it's really good news for you and i because if we don't want to stop working as long as we can do something that's remote we can be anywhere we want to be and if we're looking at 20 years down the road think of the technology we're going to have then right i mean it'll be so much easier to continue doing the work that we do even if we are doing it part-time instead of full-time. That's that's kind of wor- the way I look at it. I want to be able to have time to fish and be on the beach and swim and be near water. I don't want to be tied to one location for 40 hours a week, but I'd like to, you know, have some free time too. Well, and so for me, it's actually really exciting because I've actually been a remote employee for Morning since I was hired like eight and a half years ago. Mm-hmm. I actually live in Kentucky. We're based in Chicago. And I was always worried about how being remote will limit my career because in in this industry you usually you know in even even Morningstar they they were all in Chicago and a lot of companies you know had either pulled away from remote working or weren't into it but I think this could change all of that yes. I think that all of a sudden companies that were would never have given it a fair shot are not only giving it a fair shot they're going to actively move in that direction and so for me it kind of it just opens this possible horizon where like at first I was like, who else is going to hire me to live in Kentucky? But now it's like, wow, I think there's a lot of companies out there that might say, hey, we don't mind having people everywhere as long as they're effective. So I think to your point, remote working for me will be great. For our society will be great because all of a sudden, if you don't want to live in New York City, you don't have to exactly. live. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That, that That's, that's uh, something that I've spoken to a lot of clients that are in New York and they're 
they're seriously considering how far out can I go <laughs> before, yeah. you know, and, and what can I afford when I go out that far and, and so on and so forth. That's going to really change the landscape of investment property as well. So uh, I'll be interested to see what happens. Uh, one of my last questions for you really is, what do you see for yourself? We're getting back to the professional side here. What do you see for yourself professionally in the next five to 10 years? What are your goals? You know, I used to do that. I used to have goals and stuff, but I don't, I don't do that anymore at all. Um, I also like, the thing is I, I, I've always liked what I do. I've really liked, I I love being a planner. I like doing research. I mean, and it's kind of changed for me. You know, I I was actively doing education stuff for 15 years, Mm -hmm. but now that I've got kids, you know, I would say that I want to, I want to keep doing great research and doing cool stuff. For me, it's more focusing on like getting these kids in school. My wife is going to start a business probably at some point in the near future too. And so it's more of kind of the family stuff mm-hmm. and the than it is the professional stuff. And from my experience, is as long as you're as long as you're working hard and doing good work, things take care of themselves, and it's really hard to plan for. So I don't know that I don't really have a great answer for you, but I hope things will work out professionally. But I'm more kind of you know. The, the family stuff is just consuming most of my lifetime right now. So hopefully it, uh, uh, that all goes well. Yeah, I think that's a great answer. You, you gave me the, the perfect answer. I'm all about you being able to plan around your family. And that's I think that's a big part of working remotely. Like I said, I've got a couple of grandkids now and they're local to me here. But it's nice to know that if they go someplace and if my wife decides that's where we're going to move, well, I, I can I can do that because I've been working from home for eight years, almost similar to you. And and it's fantastic. I'll tell yeah. you, it is, no, it, it is fantastic. The one thing, so like the one thing I do miss is I, I, I did used to travel a lot for work. Like mm-hmm. I would be gone in like maybe a night or two a week. And so the one thing about working from home is it's kind of socially isolating. True. And so it was nice to get out of the office to see people in the, you know, or just get out of my home to see people. I'll have to, I'll, that, something will have to change there because now that I'm not going to travel again for probably a long time, mm-hmm. I need to do something to kind of mix up the day to day. Cause I mean, all I do every day is stay home and that's not probably good for my like social well-being longer term. So I'm sure there'll be changes. I'm sure other people have to deal with this too. And so I'll be curious to see how that kind of evolves in the future. If everyone's working from home, we need other ways to get that social interaction. So. Absolutely. All right, David, this has gone by incredibly fast. We're, we're at the end of our time. If people want to reach out and, and take a look at the research that you're doing or even just have a conversation with you, what's the best way to get a hold of you? Sure. So I have a website. It's not very good, but it's, it's mine. It's, uh, it's David, M is in Matthew, Blanchett, B-L-A-N-C-H-E-T-T.com. Um, on there, you can learn about my research, personal information. Uh, there's my email address. So if you want to learn more about me, what I'm working on, how to get a hold of me, that's the best place to go. Again, it's uh, David M as in Matthew Blanchett, B-L-A-N-C-H-E-T-T.com. David, thank you so much for being just a fantastic guest. And uh, I appreciate you giving me your time today. Sure thing. And of course, the last thank you goes to you, the listening audience. Thank you for tuning in and listening to the Breakthrough Advisor podcast. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe now button below. This way, when we come out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. This makes it much easier to share these podcasts with your colleagues. Again, thanks for listening today. For everyone at InsureMark, this is Eric Johnson reminding you to live your best day every day. And we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Breakthrough Advisor podcast. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of InsureMark. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only.